Welcome to the Process Podcast. From new agent to broker owner. My name is Travis Lenore. This is my co-host, Preston Guyton. Welcome to the Process Podcast. This is Travis McClure and my co-host, Preston Guyton. Preston, how are you doing today, sir? Good, man. Can't complain. Did you get some running in today, Preston? I did. Six. Six miles. Yeah. As Preston runs. Brendan, you run at all? Not not really. Guilty. I dance a lot, though. Well, hey, any anything that gets you moving, I'm a fan of, Brendan. And I'm going to introduce you to our co-host, Brendan from Master Talk. Brendan, introduce yourself, sir. Yeah, of course. So hi, everyone. My name is Brendan from Master Talk, or, or Kumar Sami, as you would call me. I'm a public speaking coach. I started a YouTube channel called Master Talk, and my goal with that channel is to help the world master the art of communication and public speaking. I also have an awesome private practice where I train a lot of executives and successful entrepreneurs to become top 1% communicators in their industry. Great to be here, too. Thanks for having me. So tell us your story, Brendan. Like, How did you get into that that neat that niche of public speaking coach of course happy to so it was an accident honestly travis it all started when i was in college university i went to business school and you're probably the only host i've met in my life who actually knows where i studied so i i went to concordia for business school <laughs> and i did these things called case competitions think of it like professional sports but for nerds so while other guys my age are playing football or baseball or basketball I wasn't one of those guys. I did presentations competitively, and that's how I got really good at it. But how I got into coaching was as I got older, I started coaching a lot of those students, not because I was a coach, but because the alternative that they had was a rock. So I guess they went with me and they started winning a lot of these competitions. So then after I got my dream job at IBM, I worked there as a technology consultant for many years. I had the idea for Master Talk because I realized that everything that was in my brain wasn't really available for free on the internet. So I just started making videos and it turned into something I never could have imagined. Yeah, you have a great YouTube channel. I was, I was saying to Preston before we turned this on, like one of the things that caught my eye, I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan, for example. I think it's one of the best TED Talks, you know, start with why. And you have a, a series of videos you've done on there where you actually break down famous TED Talks, which I think is really cool. Talk about that a little bit. We'll give you that idea. Absolutely. And I'm sure both of you know this since you're both very successful in business. At the end of the day, the only person who's king is the customer. So when I started my YouTube channel, I don't really pretend to be the smartest guy in the room. You know, I was just getting started. So what I did is I got my friends together, the people I'd coached for two to three years for free back then. And I just asked them, what do you want to see from this channel? And they're the ones who supplied me the idea. So one person would say, hey, why don't you make a video on how to present in a second language? I was like, huh, no one's done that. I should probably do that. Then somebody else said, hey, why don't you break down all the hundred TED Talks that you've watched, hundreds at this point? Why don't you just break them all down individually? And I said, oh, that's a smart idea. Somebody should do that. So it's accumulation of all those ideas. So that today where Master Talk is, Travis, because I have so many ideas, I've actually already written my content for 2023. And we're in the process right now of producing 2024 as of this recording. That's awesome. Um, why is public public speaking so important? Why is it a skill so many people are trying to master? Why is it a skill that you've become so passionate about? Absolutely, Travis. I think for me, the reason why communication matters is so much more than just getting an extra deal whether it's a house closed, whether it's getting a job promotion, whether it's an extra sale in our business, I see communication as the gateway to living a more fulfilled life. 
it's every moment of our life. It's the way we talk to our families. It's the way that we have conversations with our loved ones. It's the way that we raise our children, the way we order food at a restaurant, and of course, make friends. That's why I always ask every client I work with, how would your life change if you became an exceptional communicator? Because it opens our mind to see new possibilities because a lot of us see communication as a chore right now. We need to change that. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. I think I think it I was told by a mentor years ago that that you know developing that that ability and that skill to communicate or get in front of a room and talk, you just add value to yourself in whatever career or workplace that you're in, whether it be sales to leadership, a CEO, whatever that is. It's such an important skill just to not necessarily master, but you're just gonna add value all across the board. So absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things too, like, you know, I'm coaching with Brendan now and one of the things, so we meet on Saturdays and when I shared my story that Saturday morning, it was like the, you know, I said it in the past calls, like, you know, when's the last time you were proud of something you did? And it's like that whole, after that, me sharing my story to all the people, which was totally uncomfortable, that, that it like changed the whole rest of my afternoon, you know, it was, it, it was just, you know, proud of myself and felt really good about it. And uh, it, I think it, you know, it definitely changes your, the way you look at things. And and it was, you know, that whole Saturday was like the, one of the best Saturday afternoons I've had. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Awfully yeah. kind, brother. I really appreciate it. What I love about, I've, I've kind of been on this journey with Preston since he's, this is my first time meeting Brendan, but like talking to him about public speaking. It's one of the reasons we started this podcast, right? Just to, to work on that, that skill and, and, and be able to talk better in public. Right. Um, it, it's Brent uh, Preston's really like just adopted this. I'm going to do things that make me uncomfortable and public speaking is terrifying to people. And I thought it was interesting. I've watched a few of your videos, Brendan, you talked about the first time you had to make a YouTube video, how terrifying that was to you. And you were comfortable speaking in front of a room, but making a video absolutely terrified you. So talk about that. What was so scary about that? And how did you overcome that? Absolutely true. So let's put this into context, right? Yeah. At, at this point, you know, I'd spoken on a lot of stages. I'd won a lot of national level competitions in the case competition program I was in, the whole professional sports for nerds thing. <laughs> but I was super uncomfortable being on YouTube. And there's a lot of clear reasons that I'm happy to point out. At the time, I was only 22, right? So I started Mass Talk four years ago. I had a bachelor's degree in accounting. I have a crooked left arm that's still crooked to this day because of a surgery I had when I was younger. And I spoke in a second language my whole life. As you know, Travis, Montreal is a city where you need to not speak French. Right. And I didn't know that language, but I had to study it. So every time I was speaking to a group, I would always look at the crowd and go, uh, bonjour. And the other piece is I had a lot of imposter syndrome because a lot of people that I used to consider competitors, but now they're my, my collaborators, my colleagues, back when I was a little bit more immature back then, they all have PhDs in communication, right? Like my, my good friend, Alex Line, he's very successful on YouTube. You know, he's got like seven PhDs in comms. He's in his fifties. And I said, what could I possibly share that he couldn't? And how did I wrap around my idea to make that decision to say, let me do this. And the way that I've always seen it is fear is not something that can be getting rid of. It's a relationship that we need to manage. Let me give you guys an easy example here. Let's say we're all having lunch. And Elon Musk calls me and he goes, hey, you know, Brendan, I really like your YouTube videos. Can you coach me? I'll pay you a million dollars tomorrow. Would I shit my pants? Yeah. <laughs> There's always a level for all of us in which communication can be scary. 
So I see it as a dichotomy to manage. Think about it like a boxing match. So one side of the ring is the fear, right? Oh my God, the anxiety, the stress. And the other piece is the message. Why is it important? So when we go back to this boxing match, the goal is not for the fear to leave the ring, but rather make sure when the two meet in the middle, that your message gets the knockout punch, that your message wins the match. And that's why I started my channel, not for my executives, but for the 15-year-old girl that can't afford me. Right. That's outstanding. Um, just talking about that aspect of someone just starting out in public speaking, Brendan. What What's something like somebody who can't afford a public speaking coach? Maybe I'm listening to this and a lot of our audience is in real estate, right? Maybe I'm listening to this and say, hey, I want to I be a better communicator. What are some daily practices they could do to work on that just in their car? Absolutely. So I'll give you three, but before I do, let me draw like a learning platform for real estate specifically. Yeah. I think what I've seen a lot with this industry, having been in it myself for a few years, mostly coaching clients in that space, is they don't take it seriously enough. And the reason I feel they don't is because there's no correlation. They don't see the relationship between the key outcome that they're trying to deliver in, this, in the space versus communication. Example, if you close an extra home as a, as a real estate agent, that outweighs any amount of time that you would spend practicing the skill because that skill lasts for life. Or if you're raising money for multifamily properties and you're going into a small group of investors, they're not being thoughtful because it's a small community. There's not a million people, or there might be a million, but there probably isn't a billion people in the world who are constantly investing in multifamily or any type of property you're trying to raise capital for. So if you screw up a presentation, the whole community will know about it in your area. So it's important for us to increase the level of commitment that we have when thinking about communication. So with that said, let's jump into my easy threes. I'll do them one at a time so I don't monologue for too much here. So the first one is called the random word exercise. Pick a random word like trophy case, like master, like paper towel, and create random presentations out of thin air. And the reason why this exercise is important is because it helps us think on our feet. If we can make sense out of nonsense, we can make sense out of anything. And that's really the exercise that I recommend that you do in your car. But for the first one, it's really about being random. Ideally, you want to pick words that have nothing to do with your industry. Okay. And the reason is because if you can make a presentation out of the word lemonade and you go back into your industry, everything you do becomes a joke. That's what we found is a lot of people, whether they're five-year-old kids or 50-year-old executives, if they do the random word exercise 100 to 150 times in their life, not really every week, just really in their life, which takes like two hours, three hours to do. Their level, of, their level of comfort with uncertainty increases a lot. Their threshold for being in discomfort just okay. almost goes away. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, really, you need to create that level when you're doing the practice, right? Make it a lot harder than the real thing. Correct. So if you make the practice that much harder and that much more uncomfortable, I even <clears throat> thought about which maybe I end up doing this, but my daughter takes theater. I'm like, I wonder if there's like adult theater. Cause that would put me in a very, very, very uncomfortable situation. But if I did it, you know, I mean, you're, when you're taking theater, you're on stage, you're, you're a lot of times, whether you're acting like whatever you're acting like, um, you know, whatever you get cast as, I mean, sometimes you might be a donkey on stage. And it's like improv. When I was, when I talking to my college days, I have a connection to Brennan cause he lives in Montreal. I went to college in Plattsburgh, which are nearby. Uh, my freshman year of college, instead of taking public speaking, we were allowed to take introduction to acting. And basically it was improv acting. 
Same so idea. You were drinking up there when he was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> in Montreal, a little bit. Yeah, I think I may have consumed a few adult beverages in Montreal in those days. But um, but that was my public speaking class. Essentially, was that they would just throw either uh, like a subject at you or a word at you, and that was it. That was our public speaking class. It was so much fun. I love that. That's awesome. I think the only nuance I would draw, and by the way, theater and improv, I think is a great idea, is with the random word exercises, the only difference is it's a lot easier to do and the progression is a lot faster. So the, the biggest reason why a lot of people give up on communication, guys, is because of momentum. They don't see the result as quickly. Let me give an example since we talked about running and my lack of running at the beginning of the show is the idea that if we run a mile, and then the next week we're able to run two, the progression is immediate. So that gives us a momentum. We say, oh, like I could do three. I could run a half marathon. And the momentum starts building up quickly, kind of like a weight loss program. It's a lot ch more challenging to do that in communication. That's why our philosophy is one exercise at a time so that when you get better at the random word, it won't take you that long to say like, okay, I can actually get better at this in like 30 minutes. Let me keep moving on with this. So what's, what's step two, Brendan? Of course. So another analogy that I didn't talk about, team, is communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time, right? So one of those balls is body language, another one's storytelling, another one's eye contact, and the list goes on. So the purpose of these easy threes is to help us figure out what are the three easiest balls that we can juggle in the air before we take on harder tasks. So the first one is the random word exercise. Let's go to ball two. Ball two is question drills. We get asked questions all the time in our life, on a podcast, on a show, at school, at work, from our customers. And a lot of us guys are reactive to those questions, not proactive. So a few years ago, when I started guesting on podcasts, I was terrible. I had no idea what I was doing. And somebody asked me the funniest question. He said, so where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at him and I said, uh, I don't, I don't know, man, like London, Los Angeles, San Diego. <laughs> like, I didn't really know because I was being reactive. So what, how did I fix this? And this ties into your point earlier, Travis, around objections mm -hmm. is every day for five minutes, I would write down and answer one question that I felt the world was going to ask me about communication. So day one was fear of communication. Day two was any tips for introverts. Day three was what book do you recommend? And I did that every day. But all of us can do that with five minutes of work. Yeah. If you do that for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry, about your business, about your products, your services. You'll be bulletproof. That's outstanding. What's that? What's that third ball? Absolutely. So the third ball is so simple, guys, that nobody does it. All you have to do, and this is how I make most of my money, by the way, since we're talking, since we're in real estate, this is the conversation. All I do is I make a list of all of my active clients, okay? All my active clients or past clients. And then every now and then, it could be every three months, every two months, every four months, I just send them a video message. Hey, Preston, just thinking about you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Sometimes if we remember their birthday, we'll send them a happy birthday message. And there's no sales pitch in that video. It's just making their day. That's it. And you know what happens? 10% of the time, always, 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 the person responds with, Oh, Brendan, I'm glad you sent me this video message. There's this vice president I've been meaning to introduce you to, but I forgot. Boom. And then you just make money. Mm -hmm. It's just real estate agents or people in this field aren't taking that exercise seriously enough, especially with listings that have already been sold. 
So after the transaction is over, they just go, okay, well, how do I make my month? Let's go to the next house. And instead of actually nurturing the relationships in their community, if you just send these video messages three years after you got the commission, they're going to remember you for the rest of their life and you have them as a customer for life. And that's really the key. Yeah, that is de- <laughs> that's something we coach on and talk about to our agents all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, they're, and, and like you just said, 10, it's funny you said 10%. You know, when you look at like when you do a good job of following up with past clients, you could expect to get 10%. So, if you, you know, if you build up to 100, you should get 10 sales from that 100 if you do a good job. And we talk about that all the time. And like I said, most salespeople, you know, it's like thrill to kill. They want to jump to the next person, the yeah. next sale. And the easiest person to sell is the one you've already sold in the past. Mm-hmm. And exactly. It's, it's, you know, it's funny though, like when you look at that, same way in real estate, same way in your business. You know, you send out messages three months later to that many people and 10% of them respond back. I mean, eventually you get to a point to where you have so much past business that, you know, the new business, it comes in, but you could live off the past business and the referrals you get. Exactly. And that's why today, because of that strategy, 50% of our biz is word of mouth. Yeah. And And I expect, go ahead. we We always tell people to video text. We're like, you know, Everybody sends a text message, you know, send a video text and and just record it and hit send. If you mess up, who cares? They they think you're real and a real person then. I mean, you don't mess up on video text, but you know, the common person that doesn't send them very often, they might mess up. And that's what they do is they're like, oh, I got to make sure this is perfect. And next thing you know, it's 45 minutes later, they're still trying to send the same video text. They would just hit send and be done. They could do 20 and 45 minutes instead of struggling to get through one. Right. I mean, I I, I wouldn't do it like just out of the shower or anything, but (laughs) if you're sweaty from the gym, who cares? Just send it, you know? Brendan, what would you think is the top um, thing people struggle with when they come to you for coaching? What's that number one thing that people always have to just get past? Is it just fear itself or is it technique? Like, what is it? Right. I would say, so there's a difference between coaching and just somebody who's watching my YouTube channel. So for coaching, I would say the biggest thing that we solve for people is prioritization. Okay. It's not hard. Everything that we're we're teaching it's, they need to be reminded, Hey, like, did you do this this week? Did you actually get it done? I thought you were committed. So, so we're a little bit, you know, not, not nice with them. Right. So that's the key is, is making sure that communication stays top of mind, especially in real estate, because, that when you see the dollars, you see the commissions, it immediately switches. Oh, you know, why should I spend today working on sending a video? I can go close a house today and I should focus on bringing that person out for lunch or doing something with them. So what coaching does, it helps us prioritize. In terms of challenge in general, though, I would say that the biggest one that I've seen in my career is definitely you think it's fear. That's what we think it is. But I think it's a bigger piece, which is motivation. How do we actually motivate somebody to actually want to pursue that? That's why I I, I communicated that burning platform at the beginning where some people are listening to this podcast and going, shit, I think Brendan's right. Like I could probably close an extra home or two if I just worked on my communication, at least once in my career. And that's the key is really going back to how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? When we find that reason for us, because for all of us, it's different. That's what creates that burning desire for us to do it. I had every excuse in the book not to start a business. I was already a successful guy at IBM. I would have become an executive by like 28 or 29 or something if I just kept that track. So why did I give that up to, to start 
start a channel and to build a business, even I'm like 20 years younger than like my nearest competitor. I did it because what I had to share mattered. It was more important for me to share that than keep working a, a day job. So I did that. And we all need that intrinsic motivation and we help our clients find that. But you don't need a coach for that. You can find that within yourself to say, hey, I'm going to work on doing the video messages, doing the question drills, and doing the random word exercise 15 minutes tomorrow because it matters. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot to be said in repetition. I mean, I know like myself, I had I'm I'm very good like talking in front of room. I'm gonna toot my own like I'm it's something I'm comfortable with. I'll say that. Like I'll get up in front of a room and people it doesn't bother me at all. But for years and years I wouldn't do video either. And I think when you talk about the repetition piece or just simply sending video messages, somebody gave me the advice, Brendan, of, and I started doing it and it helped me out. Just send random video text messages. I started with like family members and friends, like, hey, happy birthday, right? Just like random stuff like that. But like little by little, to me, it's almost like a muscle you build over time or you build that comfort. And I guess where you help people go to that next level is like they're comfortable, but now how do we get better, Right. Absolutely. And I love that tip. It's one we share as well. It's don't start with your clients, start with the people in your family, start with the people who are open minded. And that's when you start to unlearn what communication is for. Because a lot of us guys, we think communication is a chore. It's like doing the dishes. Oh my God, like I have to do this and that versus going, no, wait a second. Communication is about actually make a difference in people's life. It's making that waiter smile because they have a bunch of shitty customers that day. That's what communication is for. And when we're able to send those video messages, it helps us build that muscle to your point. One other point I'll add, small point, is the idea that we don't need to be somebody to send these video messages. A lot of people think like, oh, but who would want to hear from me? And the answer is everybody. Why? Because you don't need to be famous to the world. You don't need to be Bill Gates. You don't need to be Brad Pitt. I don't know why I compare those two with each other. But the point is, is that you just need to be famous to the person that you're serving. Yeah. That's it. And they want to hear from you. I love that you used, earlier you used the term imposter syndrome, right? And uh, I love that you said that because, I mean, that's an easy excuse, I think, for a lot of people not to do stuff. And, and it's a real thing. Like, I'm sitting here pressing it. We're not Tom Ferry. We're not you know, Brian Buffini doing a real estate podcast or anything like that. But there's somebody who the, the, the audience we have is somebody we're relevant to somebody, right. In terms of the stuff we talk about, the market, we talk about even bringing on great guests like you, it means something to somebody. It doesn't have to mean something to everybody. And I think when, when if you're a brand new real estate agent starting out and, and getting into sending video texts, our coach, John, uh, John Chaplock, our business coach, he uses the term, you know, my crappy video beat your non-video you know like he used to say that term i love that term love that but so for so for preston you're you're helping him prepare for um a presentation he has coming up right yeah lake tahoe which now i've added follow-up boss con and um a virtual but you know one of the things about that too like talking about video to me it's easier so it's almost easier when you're when you have a small crowd or a crowd, you know, Tyler is going to be the biggest crowd I've talked in front of mm -hmm. um, because you see you get interaction, you get facial expressions, you get people when you're doing it on Zoom, like the class and I'm teaching, it's only, you know, 40 or 50 people in the class. But that's a little bit more nerve wracking to me because you don't see any of those responses. You don't get any of that feedback. You don't see anybody. You know, you just see a screen and you're walking through and, and teaching. To me, that could be like what you said about video and you said about speaking in front of a group. I think that's a, just a whole different 
skill set that you got to learn and master. Um, you know, to the Zoom webinars are, are a little bit challenging as well. Like the one I'm doing, the 22nd, there'll be 3,000 people on it. So it's it's just, it's different for sure. You know, it's, it's to me, I'd rather see the interaction and, and see the people, you know, there and and, and see what they do. And, and those, you're kind of just talking to yourself. I'm like, okay, can, are they getting this? You're talking <laughs> about dead air, yeah. it seems like sometimes, yeah. Absolutely. And there's a couple of points that, that you touched touched upon. Let's tackle them one at a time. Let's start with the one that Travis brought up. Then we could go into online presentations around imposter syndrome. So I have some thought leadership on that. Happy to share with the group. Yeah. So so let's play this out a little bit. Let's say I came to Plattsburgh. Okay. Let's say you still went to college there and I came to Plattsburgh for some reason. I said, Travis, I'm new. I'm new to Plattsburgh. What should I do in the city? You'll probably tell me. Yeah. You'll probably say, oh, Brandy, you should visit this thing. You go to this park. Go, go to this area, go to this restaurant. In the same way, let's assume you never came to Montreal and you came for the first time and you said, hey, Brenda, I'm in the city. What should I do? I'll probably tell you. Go to this bagel place. Oh, you have to try the chicken unless you're vegetarian. Go to this uh, place. And I'll probably tell you. Does that analogy make sense so far? Yes. Right. But don't you find that odd, you two? <clears throat> because we're not tour guides. Our parents aren't the mayor of Montreal and Plattsburgh. Yet... We openly share that information without even thinking if we're credible to share it. Whereas with other pieces of information like real estate, like communication, like topics that we actually spend time honing and investing in ourselves for, like spending real money and resources, we're hesitant to share that information. Right. So what I've always been fascinated by in my career, being the, the poster child example of imposter syndrome, my average client is 20 years older than me, is... How do we overcome imposter syndrome? Why is there a dichotomy? Why is there a difference between some piece of information and others? And here's where I've landed, guys. What is the definition of an expert anyways? A lot of us think that expertise is have a PhD degree, have a master's degree. Whereas for me, that's wrong. For me, expertise is simply you are one chapter ahead of the next person in that specific thing. That's all. So in the same way, both of you could probably teach me a ton about real estate, about the different businesses that you're running, about how to scale that, how to sell properties, how to do all these things. I could probably teach you a thing or two about communication and public speaking, which leads to the conclusion of what is the antidote to imposter syndrome? The antidote is serve the person you're comfortable serving. I didn't start with CEOs, guys. I started with 15-year-old girls and boys. And then when I was 19, that's when I started, so seven years ago. Then I started coaching people my own age. Then I went straight to CEOs. Why? Not because I was coaching 50-year-olds, but because a lot of my best friends were technology CEOs. And all of them are young. All of them are in their 20s. So they just said, hey, Brendan, I need your help, man. I'm scared about this pitch. I'm pitching to venture capitalists. I don't know what to do. And I just so happened because I used to be a VC. So I knew what to do. So I just said, oh, you got to do this, this, this. And then that's how I built my executive roster. So then when I got into executive clients, I knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. But here's the punchline. And it's Ali Gadet. He says that if you help one person, the world will give you permission to help everyone else. But you got to start somewhere. Now let's go to the next step, which is... Going back to what Preston was talking about, what is the difference in virtual and in-person? Let's break that down. So there's three main differences. The first one is eye contact. Mm -hmm. So when we're in person, we have to move our head around to look at the people in the room. So that's the first one. Whereas in person or rather online, what you want to do, whether you're speaking to one or 10,000 people, you only have to look in one direction, which is the camera lens. That's it. 
So that's one thing. The second piece is energy, guys. Let's face it. At the end of the day, it's a lot easier to show up with energy when you're in person because you're hugging people, you're shaking their hand, and the pressure is a lot higher because you're like, oh, okay, they're right in front of me. I should shower this morning. I should probably look good. I should probably wake up in the morning. Whereas when you're online, you don't have that pressure. You're like, oh, well, I got a Zoom call. Should I, do I really need to wear pants? Like you're, you're not even, you don't have that same level of obsession. And sometimes you don't even see the people on the call when you're presenting. Yeah. So what's the conclusion? There's only one that really matters. There's a lot of nuances here, but we don't overwhelm people either. But I would say the big piece is you just got to get better in person. Simple as that. Be dominant in person, be exceptional in person, and transfer as much of that energy as possible back on the Zoom call. That's the only best way to do it. So if you get better in person, for example, to, to Preston's earlier question, well, Brendan, how do I know if I land? The only way to know for certain if you land a virtual presentation is to nail it in person. So many times that you know when you say the joke. For example, I said earlier on this podcast, the joke that I tell on every show, hey, you know, a few years ago when I started guesting on podcasts, somebody asked me where the fear of communication comes from. And I said, uh, 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 London, send you. I actually repeat that same joke over and over and over again. And the reason I know it lands is because everybody laughs right when I say it with the same timing. And that's the key. Third difference. Third difference is accessibility. It's a lot easier to get feedback from your audience when you're in person. Mm -hmm. You can just talk to them. Hey, Travis, just want your feedback, man. Can we get lunch after? Hey, Preston, looking for your thoughts. Can we just get lunch after? Because you're right in front of me. But when we're in a situation where we're on a Zoom call, there's a lot more friction. So you have to force that feedback. You have yeah. to get on calls with them and get on Zoom calls. And that's the difference between the two. <clears throat> what about somebody like Preston? I know you've been coach him getting ready he's got a couple big presentations i call them little ted talks coming up there's own little <laughs> ted talks uh we're gonna be out in um lake tahoe and then fubcon is coming up as well and uh so for a person like preston what what tips or what strategies are you giving somebody like that who's actually getting ready to be a presenter absolutely so so, of course, Preston might feel a disconnect between what I'm saying and what he's being coached on. Because the key is, is coaching is podcasting is different, right? Okay. Coaching is really about adjusting your temperature to the person. So since Preston is just getting started, I'm not actually being as pushy as I can be. So here's what I would say. I would say the most important thing to be a professional speaker is understanding a few key things. The first one is that the best speakers on the planet generally deliver the same presentation over and over again. So when corporations hire me to come in, it's for the same experience. That's why they pay thousands of dollars for or tens of thousands depending on the level you are at and you're speaking because they want a calculated experience so that's why the most important advice is even if you have seven or ten speaking engagements coming up you really need to take a step back and say what is the one repeatable experience that i'm not stressed out over that i can keep repackaging over and over again that's why Tony Robbins has been doing the same event for 40 years. Unleash the power within the date with destiny. It's always the same product that he just keeps re-spinning over and over again. And guess what? That's exactly what the customer wants from Tony. So this is not a bad thing. Imagine if Tony Robbins came one day and said, you know, guys, I'm thinking about talking about porcupines for three days. Do you want me to do that? Everyone's like, no, no, Tony. We actually pay you thousands of dollars to do the same thing over and over again. So that's the first piece. The second one I would say to go pro is the level of obsessiveness that you need to have about your message, your audience, and who you're speaking to needs to be a bit higher. Meaning, 
So let's backtrack a little bit. If you haven't booked 15 minutes in your calendar to do the random word exercise 15 times, don't try and be a professional speaker. Start with doing that first because that's ball number one and being a professional speaker is ball number 15. So I would start there. Question drills. Are you actually spending five minutes a day? Because if you're not actually willing to do that, becoming a pro is a lot more difficult. Preston is the exception because he already has a track record in other areas of life besides speaking. So he's landing a lot of the speaking engagements. But for most people who are listening to this podcast who don't have a track record in business, for you to land those speaking engagements, you won't get a lot of opportunities. So you need to make sure that when you get that one opportunity, like me, when I started my career four years ago, you got to smash that opportunity out of the window, right? And that's the mindset that we need to have. That's number two. Number three, the last piece of advice I have around professional speaking is you need to be willing to do it for free. You know, I did my speech and Zig Ziglar is famous to have said that as well. He presented hundreds of times for free before he ever got paid to do it. And I think for me, it's the same analogy or really anybody. You need to be willing to hit the bats even when you're not getting paid for those opportunities. Because one, if you're good enough, the market will eventually pay you for that value. And two, more importantly, you actually don't need to get paid to be a speaker. I still do some workshops, especially with people who get me a lot of clients. I still do free workshops through their communities because I know in the back end, they'll buy my coaching services. So I think it's important for us to see the opportunity beyond just that speaking fee and getting locked into just that number. That's great. Question for you. A couple more questions for you, Brendan. One, I got to know the answer to. So I said earlier, I love the part on your channel where you break down famous TED Talks. If you were going to tell me your all-time favorite or uh, TED Talk you said is most inspirational to you. Which TED Talk would you point out as like the best TED Talk of all time? I mean, it's really difficult. As you know, Travis, I've studied hundreds of them at this point. Yeah, if I had... On TED if Talk. I, look, I, I don't think there's a best one. That's I'm, I'm happy to answer the question, but let me add the caveat first. The reason I don't think that there's a best one is because every great communicator that I believe in the world has one thing in common, just mm -hmm. one is that they're all unique in their style, the yeah. best ones. Gary Vaynerchuk likes to swear and speak really, really quickly. Tony Robbins is very aggressive, but he's inspirational. Brene Brown is like a, a little nice lady who's speaking truth. Esther Perel is very sarcastic when she talks. She, she essentially uses sarcasm as a tool to convince you to change your mind about life. So everyone's got their own swagger. They've got their own style. So I think it's really subjective to pick the best one. But if I had to choose one that's inspired, the most inspiring to me personally, mm -hmm. I would probably say Seth Godin. And the reason Seth is, is someone who I admire and try, someone I emulate my career after is because no matter how old and successful the guy got, he's still just as obsessed today about creating new ideas in the world. And he's so prolific at presenting that he has slides and he never looks at them once. He just presents. And everything he says is so good that when you hear him, you go, every time you listen to Seth Godin, you say, I never really thought about that. Huh. I never really thought about that either. And that's the type of communicator I want to be. Whereas when I talk about imposter syndrome, I give an analogy, an idea that people go, I've never really heard of it that way. And that's the type of impression I want to give to my audiences. That's great. I love that. And then the other question I have to ask is, what's a book you would recommend to somebody? Somebody who wants to be a better communicator. Right. You want so, to reading, what, what book would you recommend? Right. So for real estate, I would say in particular, 
let's put the books aside for a second. I would say the most important thing that everyone needs to do, right? I'm a little bit more hardcore with the real estate industry because it's all about results based on the people I've talked to anyways, is the most important thing that everyone could do today. Because we talked about 25 different, 30 different tips. So this episode's really overloaded with a lot of information and tips. So how do we simmer it down? Here's the most important tip. And I'll tell you a story around this. One of my CEO clients a few months ago, he owns like an interior design company in New York. He's got like 40 employees. He messages me and he's starting the like a coaching thing. And he's like, Brendan, what book do you recommend? And I play, I call his bluff. I go, okay, let's call him John. John, you want to read a book? Great, great, great. So let's assume you've read this book. Okay, any book. How much time would you spend? You're a busy guy, right? This is like a multi-seven figure, soon to be eight figure company. You got a lot of priorities. How much time would you actually spend reading this book? And he goes, yeah, you're right, Brendan. I'm busy. Maybe like 45 minutes a week. And I'd say, perfect. How about we do the random word exercise 45 times this week instead? And then he goes, uh, and I say, exactly, because that's the point. The best way to speak is to speak, right? So for all of you who want to be top 1% producers in your industry, top 1% capital raisers, you've already booked 15 minutes in your calendar, not just today, but every single day this week, this month, this quarter to actually do the random word exercise, mm-hmm. to do the question drills, to send the video messages. And this is what my mentor Vamsi tells me all the time. There's a very big difference between do you know this and do you implement this? So do you know this? Yeah, I know this. I know it's important. Brendan, oh, look at this guy. He's giving out so much great information. But the importance is not do you know something? It's are you implementing it? And that's really the key. But having said that, for my top 1% producers who have already booked the time in and are implementing, I'll give you the book. The book is Thirst by Scott Harrison. So Thirst by Scott Harrison. Scott's the CEO and founder of Charity Water. It's a nonprofit he started to help the world gain access to clean water. So why do I bring up Scott in the context of this conversation? I genuinely believe Scott is one of the best storytellers on the planet. He went from being a nightclub promoter in his 20s in New York City, getting people drunk for a living, to building the largest water charity in America. I think he's raised like $100 million just in the last year. And why I love it, because it's a great practical case study of someone who was an absolute nobody and just through the tool of communication and public speaking significantly changed the world. And there's a great quote that I'd love to share with you too. And the quote is simply this, the goal is not to live forever, but rather create something that will. And I would encourage all of you to start thinking about that too. That's outstanding. That of of all my years of interviewing and talking to people and asking their question of favorite book, because I always ask, I love to read. That's the best answer I've ever gotten to that question, hands down. That's the key. And and <laughs> let's play this out, right? I always like to preach what I teach, right? I always like to do what I say. The reason I'm able to sharply knock out these questions on a podcast is because I've done the question drill thousands of times. So if you want to cure your imposter syndrome, just be better than anyone else in your industry. And that's the knowledge I want people to digest, especially if you're younger listening to this. Is And this is my philosophy. Have the wisdom of someone who's already dead. If you had the wisdom of someone who's already passed away, you'll be able to coach anybody. You'll be able to serve anybody. And that's always what I'm trying to strive towards. Outstanding. Brendan, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, talk to you about public speaking or possibly coaching or just random questions, because you seem like a guy who's willing to help people. What's the best way of somebody to find you or get a hold of you? Absolutely. You too. Such a great conversation. Thanks for having me. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is definitely the Master Talk YouTube channel. We have hundreds of free videos that you can access and learn how to speak. 
And the second piece is I do a free workshop over Zoom for communication and public speaking. The Zoom call, it's live, it's interactive. It's not some boring webinar. I'm on the call, I'm coaching, and it's fun. So if you want to join that workshop, go to rockstarcommunicator.com. All right, Brendan, I appreciate your time. You've been an outstanding guest. Thank you for all the knowledge you've shared with us and our audience. Guys, thank you for listening to the Process Podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great week. And we'll talk to you soon.